This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley Studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again with this unique series that we've been working on with ITSP Magazine. This series is called Underrepresented, and this is episode two of the series. If you're not familiar with Underrepresented, what we're trying to do and our goal is to start the conversation and address uh, representation in technology and who it's being represented by. Yeah, that's perfect. And I, I, I love this series so much. And, you know, we're doing it with our good friends, Marco and Sean from ITSP. And uh, in this episode, we actually have our good friend, Charles Nwatu. He's been on our show before, uh, representing Dev Color. At, Thank you, had Charles. Had great conversations. Love Charles. Also, we had Nelson Abbott from NPower. Uh, super, super powerful people doing a lot of good work. Uh, for representation across the spectrum. And uh, it was just a really good conversation. Uh, so many powerful statements in this one about organizations fighting for representation and then also thought awesome thoughts about being a role model. It was a good, good one. So let's jump right into it. Yeah, how's it going? Uh, Chris Cochran again, uh, co-host of the Hacker Valley Studio podcast, uh, partner in crime with ITSP, Marco and Sean on the Underrepresented podcast. Uh, love these conversations and today bringing on uh, two special guests from our side and we have a special guest on the ITSP side but uh, Charles Nwatu one of my closest friends but I'll let Charles uh, introduce himself. Good morning everyone uh, like Chris said my name is Charles Nwatu I currently work at Netflix as the information security manager there. Uh, one of the organizations that is near dear my heart is DevColor and we we'll hope we get a chance to talk more about that as the conversation flows. Nice one. And uh, our guest uh, comes to us from Brooklyn and uh, is representing NPower. Nelson, uh, tell us, tell us sure. a little bit about yourself. So uh, Nelson Abbott, I'm the senior program coordinator, sorry, senior program manager um, at NPower for our advanced training programs. And that includes our cybersecurity and uh, cloud computing programs. Nice. So Clearly, these uh, these conversations are all about uh, bringing a voice to those who who might not have a voice otherwise, and and raise awareness uh, for those who may not be aware otherwise. And and the two organizations that we have here, and the third that'll be joining us later, do uh, do some fantastic work on that front. So I'd I'd like Charles to kind of kick it off for us, if you can, maybe a little background on on Dev Color how it started, why it started, who is it for, who participates, and uh, we'll kind of go from there and, and uh, yeah, see, see where the conversation goes. Yeah, so I think uh, first and foremost, like the first thing is like the mission of the Dev Color, and it was started about, I want to say five years ago now, or even six years ago, um, but the mission is, is basically around the, how do we empower black software engineers to help one another grow into industry leaders. Uh, and one of the things that the structure of how the organization came together was a concept of squads and the ability to sort of take individuals from dis different backgrounds within the software engineering or the tech ecosystem and sort of align them around uh, career goals or aspirations, whether it be like I want to be uh, an entrepreneur or want to start my own business or I'm looking how to get from the 
entry level software engineer one to software engineer two? What does it look like to get into management? So the things that you would traditionally hear in the career arc of an employee, how do we just uh, bind individuals that from different companies within the Bay Area uh, to sort of talk about their experiences, provide guidance, provide, as we call, um, props, or it's basically a kudos of helping people to get to the places where they're trying to go. Now, how about a, a little bit of background for Empower? Uh, I know you guys have been around for quite a bit. Sure, yeah. In fact, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. Um, Happy so, birthday. Thank yeah. you. Um, we're very excited about that. We've got a lot of fun stuff planned. So, um, so we are a national nonprofit workforce development organization. Um, our original incarnation was as an ex uh, was through Microsoft and was providing MSP to nonprofits and schools. And over the years, kind of transitioned into delivering technology training to underserved young adults and military veterans. Um, we're located. Our headquarters is based out of Brooklyn, so we have locations in New York City, New Jersey. Uh, Baltimore, St. Louis, Dallas, uh, San Jose, and we just opened up in Detroit in January. So um, our mission is to economically empower those underserved young adults and military veterans to help change their lives with economic opportunity. And we do that through our technology training programs. Yeah, so maybe Nelson, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, I was gonna say maybe a day in the life for you and your your, uh, your group there, but maybe what does a week look like and, and who's involved and, and tell us a little bit about the program. Sure, now. so I'll kind of give a top-down view. So our flagship program is called um, Tech Fundamentals and that's for folks that are looking to kind of just get their foot in the door. Um, and it is a six month part-time program. So five days a week in the classroom. And it's a combination of technical training um, to eventually sit for the CompTIA IT fundamentals and A plus certifications. So looking for, you know, looking at like desktop support, network admin, sysadmin type of roles once they complete the program. Um, but we also um, supplement that with professional development. So resume writing, mock interview skills. Um, for a lot of folks that, that we're working with, they may have never even um, been into a corporate environment at all. So, you know, how to, how to, uh, carry yourself in an office environment as versus maybe a retail environment for folks that have, you know, worked in retail prior. Um, we have a lot of career exploration activities. So we'll have guest lectures that come in and talk about their work and what they've done and how they got to where they're at um, and site visits as well. So anything from a panel discussion from representatives from different technology teams to kind of talk about what a day in the life is like at their company to um, to visiting socks and knocks and, and data centers and, and really showing um, folks uh, getting that full exposure to our students that uh, may be their first introduction into the world of technology. I think this is a very important and, and we base our first, I think, episode all around this, knowing, talking about how can people decide to pursue a career that sometimes they don't even know it's available as a career. So I think that one of the job of this organization is actually to reach where the regular uh, crowd is not hanging, <laughs> let's say, and let them know that there is a different career compared to that, you know, maybe with sport, which is very visible, or maybe, you know, become an actor or, or, or a musician. But it's like, look, there are a lot of really cool, and again, mea culpa for the industry for not looking so cool as we should but you know i think that that's that's the, that's the key for for doing that right chris i mean i i think we can talk about role modeling 
yeah. in a situation like this. So take it from here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think role models are super important. Uh, and, you know, we're, our series is called Underrepresented. And so representation is, is super important, in my opinion. And I, I definitely want to get uh, the opinions of others. But I, I did want to ask, uh, with your program in particular, um, it's just kind of piggybacking off of what Marco was talking about. How do you get that exposure to folks that, you know, don't even know you guys exist? And how do you get the exposure of uh, different role models within your organization out in front of everybody else? I'm glad you asked that, Chris. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's always a topic of discussion. When I first started at Empower, I was actually a recruitment and admissions manager. So that was, that was my job was how do I get the word out? How do I get exposure? Um, and, you know, for folks that are familiar with the space, you know, we have our friendly competitors would be year ups per scoluses, if anyone has heard of those organizations. So, and then local organizations that are maybe regional, but not nationally based. So, um, you know, a big part of how we get the word out is just word of mouth, right? So like John will come through our program. He has an amazing experience, gets an amazing job as, you know, a network admin at like City or Bank of America. Then he tells his friends and they tell their friends or, um, you know, with our recruitment events, it's going out to, um, and I work exclusively with young adults. So I'm kind of speaking from my experience with that demographic and not our veterans that we serve. So um, going to job fairs and post-secondary fairs at, at high schools, um, working with other youth serving organizations in the five boroughs in New York that do similar work, but maybe not technology focused, kind of just general career, professional development focused. Um, and then most recently over the last two years, we had a very generous grant from the City Foundation to do, um, uh, it's a, a women in technology program, we're calling it 40 by 22. And our goal is to get 40% of our student body be women, as mm -hmm. well as 40% of our instructional staff be women by the year 2022. And it speaks exactly to that representation that you, you mentioned. Um, uh, and when we were having meetings to kind of, you know, crystallize the ideas around this campaign, you know, my big contribution to it was, you know, look, the reason that women don't persist and that they do drop out, and I'm sure we've seen all the statistics, you know, women and men do comparably well in math and physical sciences. And then right around seventh grade, there's a huge drop off, right? And, um, and I've been on a lot of uh, conferences where women in the sciences talk about their experiences and like every single one had an experience where a male superior was discouraging them. Um, and so, so I was kind of big pushing that. I was like, we really need to be in the elementary schools. We need to be in the high schools to kind of like start talking about here's what you can do with technology to spark that interest, encourage the people that already have that interest um, to persist and continue in it. So, um, but it's a, you know, it's an uphill battle and um, it's, it's a long process and it's, it's, uh, it's a slow process as well. I think that a lot of people get, um, impatient <laughs> with the pace of change which i completely get but you know we do what we can yeah i i love that that you're not just uh, and then to you quickly charles just just a quick point i love that you're not just saying we want to bring students in that are diverse but we're actually taking it a step further and bringing our leadership team and our training team uh, yeah. to that same we're holding them to the same standard right so we're not just talking the talk we're, we're actually walking the walk here so charles I'd, I'd like your your view on on how you do some of that outreach and, and how to make up your organization so i would say there's like there's other organizations that i'm a part of that i truly believe are that address i would say the systematic pipeline approach 
You have Code 2040 that, that works on um, internships for underrepresented individuals across the spectrum in the tech area. And then you also have programs like Black Girls Code that starts from the K through 12 that it exposes, uh, like you said, the representation of uh, engineering, sciences, the whole STEAM category with respect to like the exposure. And then part of that outreach really starts with, okay, how do you engage in the local community, the local schools, um, and even having people come out of like how Chris does a great job of this, like reaching back and saying, hey, who can I put on or who can I help elevate to sort of like continue the exposure of these, this career field or these options, or at least have someone to talk about the different pathways that exist. So when it comes time to sort of like, how do you do the outreach? It really is a grassroots effort where you're really trying to you know, meet up and sync up with the people that are like-minded to sort of be that leverage force multiplier who speak in the same uh, language that you are and support the, the initiatives that you're doing. And then just going out there and doing it. It is hard work, it can be slow, but the fruits of that labor is uh, bountiful once it does come to full circle. Yeah, I think what is really important here is when you educate, I know it's a little bit philosophical, but you know, it's kind of like when you educate one, you actually educate maybe 10. Like you give exposure to one person and then goes back in the community and their friends and their family and, and you know, it, it spreads in a, in a very, very good way. And I think that what we're talking about here too is the fact that you mentioned the, the, the women and kind of like it, or, or diversity in general. Unfortunately, we're in a place where we don't want to be, meaning I wish we were not here, but that's where we are. So Times Magazine now just went back 100 years and gave uh, the cover to 100 women uh, for each year that hmm. actually they didn't give the cover to them. <laughs> maybe, maybe they deserve it. So it's sad, but at least we're talking about it and we're, we're walking that, that talk. So, um, and I know our guest that is coming up soon is actually representing women. Yeah. So for an yeah. organization that we're really, but here's one thing, how there's so many organizations and they all have honorable goals. Sometimes we mix them up a little bit. <laughs> Sorry if we do that, but how can we all come together? Like, you know, all these organizations coming together, working together for a common goal and not just being one organization versus another organization that maybe it's trying to do the same thing. What, what do you guys think about this? I would say that it's a very interesting question because sometimes the goals may align, but the actual execution and delivery may be different. And I think once you start pulling and tugging at the, those differences, they're unique enough where it warrants a different pathway to exist. Now, it doesn't take away from the fact that there could be some level of unification that happens at the, at the end state. But my experiences uh, through working with some of the nonprofit organizations that I've had before, there's this, I would call it silent um, tension that exists with potential other uh, organizations that may fill that same space and sometimes that materializes as to how external companies, partners fund or align with these organizations, which inherently from the human nature, I believe, sort of causes that uh, silent uh, competition, which can, I believe can be detrimental, but I understand why those pathways exist with those different organizations that may be split because they're serving potentially a different demographic or a different experience that they're trying to provide. 
Yeah, and I, I have my own thoughts, and I'd like to get Nelson's on this as well. But I think my my view is that we're always going to have some tribe that we kind of click with, right? And mm-hmm. so whether whether or not we're competing against each other, that's a whole another point that we can talk about. But I think AppSec is different than a SOC analyst is different than somebody who writes policy is different than somebody who who is worried about privacy versus security. So I think these organizations all have different different views on what the business and the industry and society needs and each are doing their thing to bring the right people together in those spaces. So I think people are going to self-select groups that offer something that's meaningful to them with a, a group of role models and people that look and sound and act like them as well, but also toward a goal that they want uh, with their career and potentially even with, uh, with, their their view on society how they help change uh, society yeah, I, so i may add to that it's yeah. the term of localization and really working to specific geographic area and you're appealing more to a certain niche than another because there is so many different area in even in a, in a city like new york for example nelson i'm sure you're gonna have to reach certain group in a way certain other group in another and maybe a role model that is relevant for a certain community may not be mm-hmm. as, as relevant for another. So, I mean, of course, I was being a little bit of a devil's advocate with my question, but uh, <laughs> what's, your, what's your take on that, Nelson? I mean, how do you guys embrace relationship with other organizations? Um, yeah, and I mean, I think, I think Charles hit it on the head in terms of that silent tension, <laughs> um, especially in the nonprofit space, because there's gonna be competition for uh, candidates to enter your program. There's gonna be competition for funding whether it's regional or national funding, um, and uh, and then competition for um, you know a seat at the table in terms of internship and job opportunities with companies that are in you know that are in the same region wherever your offices are located at, right? So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, I always kind of looked at it as we're friendly competitors, and especially in a place like New York where the population density is pretty high. Uh, there's more than enough young adults and military veterans to go around for all of us to meet our quotas um, and and provide meaningful experiences to them. And I think like what, what Charles said is true as well. It's like at the end of the day, it's more options for them, right? Like our program is slightly different than Perscolis is, is slightly different than Europe's, is slightly different than, you know, some of the local organizations that people may not know that, that also do technology training here. But, um, you know, if if we're able to get out into the community and and provide good information to people that are interested in these programs then they can make a better informed choice in terms of what uh you know what is a, the best program for them and what they're interested in and and what they're capable of committing to one thing i i really like and i'm seeing it more and more and i'd like to see this trend continue is organizations doing joint events so you know at a conference maybe you have two uh, women-focused organizations joining together to, to do a big uh, thing for allies and other women. Uh, I know Marco and Sean, you guys actually just uh, got an award recently uh, for allyship. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on that. But I also wanted to open up a question to everybody uh, writ large. Um, when it comes to role models, there's uh, role models at various levels. You have role models that are sort of under the radar, just kind of like in their social circle. But then you have 
the other end of the spectrum, which is role models that are like larger than life, personalities that kind of just break through and are real center of gravity. And I think those role models sort of get mixed messages because I, I think there are people that there might be some jealousy there and they, they sort of feel like, oh, they, they want the spotlight on them. But I sort of look at it as like them as being beacons for other folks that don't necessarily understand that there is representation, representation for their population in a, a particular industry. Uh, what do you guys think about that dynamic? Sean? Uh, I, I certainly have thoughts. So yeah, I, I think at very at the highest level uh, paintbrush on this, I think they are people as well. So they may be boisterous, they may be awkward, they may be, may appear that they're seeking attention, but that's the role that they play in this equation, right? In this story. So, uh, so I think that role has an important part because that amplification, that, that uh, energy does raise awareness, right? Now it may draw some attention that that person may not want, which is unfortunate, but I think it's an important, important thing. So I'll give you an example. Uh, one, one of my good friends, he actually just started producing content for LinkedIn and, and other social media platforms. And they're always really good messages. But because his field is cybersecurity, he's afraid people are going to look at him like, well, why are you why are you doing this? This other stuff, this touchy feely soft skills, you know, motivation stuff when you need to be talking about cybersecurity. And I told him, I was like, you know, for every person that says, why are you talking about this stuff? They're going to be 10 people that say, Thank you for saying this today because I needed that message. And so I, I think there, there is a space for people to, to kind of go out on the outskirts of cybersecurity. And because I think that representation is gonna reach more people that aren't in the field. And I think that's where the positivity comes in. Well, I, I definitely have an opinion on this. And uh, <laughs> what, I mean, I, you know, I always have an opinion on something. But <laughs> in this case, it kind of embraced everything that we just said. Like, there is a healthy level of competition, right? I mean, if you compete in a way, in, in a sport, you're, you're getting better at doing what you're doing. If you compete with organization, uh, maybe you get a little bit from one and you get a little bit like, hey, I could do that better than them. Or maybe I can turn what they're doing but for my audience versus another. And so, in a way, as Sean said, everybody's contributing when they talk about cybersecurity. The fact of the soft skill that people get criticized for that, then I'm gonna I'm gonna get pissed about it because <laughs> <laughs> I am very I'm very passionate about the fact that the soft skill at this point are actually the hardest, the, the hard skills. And mm -hmm. talking about, you know, I'm not gonna go talk about social engineering and how you know the human element that was key of RSA conference this year, but actually during the conference and all the conversation we had with people, it came out that diversity is not just about diversity of people in the industry, but diversity of roles in cybersecurity. Now we have the lawyers, we have philosophers, we have people that come from, I don't even know how many political science people I've met, and I'm one of them, so yay. Uh, but, but also having that human skills that then it does retain people, again, you know, you can make a check, a checklist and say, well, my company is diverse because I have, you know, these colors, this religion, this sex, these genders and so forth. And then they all leave because they're miserable in the company. So inclusion is what really makes 
diversity. And if we don't include other people's opinion, even the one that decide to go on YouTube and talk about soft skills in, in cybersecurity, then we're really going against what we preach. And, and people need to be, need to be more open, which is what diversity is all about. Regardless of who's speaking, they're, they're likely saying something that resonates with somebody and they are likely someone that resonates or can, somebody can relate to as well. And so in addition to just being inclusive, seeing somebody and hearing somebody that thinks like you and sounds like you and maybe has the same background as you will make you more comfortable to become part of the environment and part of the, the solution to the problem as well. Yeah. And maybe, maybe we can touch on this, like organization like, you know, Deb Colors and Empower or many other organizations like the, the, the Women in Cyber Jitsu, I mean, they, they always usually have somebody that is more likable and relatable, that is more of that uh, influencers, let's say, or speaker that it resonates more with the, with the younger people, maybe, or some other with a different crowd and the women or the male or anybody. How do you guys see this as, again, a soft skill that is not really that soft that uh, organization and nonprofit can, can use like to reach out with a, a role model that resonates with the people that you are trying to reach? And maybe even younger kids, not just young adults. Yeah, I'm, young I'm thinking the, the actual uh, constituents as well, the students and the, and the, the partners or the, the attendees. I mean, I, I would say one way to look at it is that there's a spectrum of how each of us as human beings operate. And the one thing that my wife has sort of instilled with me is like this, the, the level of grace you provide someone as when you engage with them. That there is a coming where you, you sort of say like, let me see where you're at, let me meet you where you're at. And to go back to what, what Chris's point that there are people that are saying things all the time now it's up to the individuals who are receiving that to see whether or not it fits with them. And I think having individuals that are, I would say charismatic, that are able to communicate and frame their narrative in a way that allows other people to hear and consume that, 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 that provides them a pathway to connect, to me is the human story being told. Whether it's through cybersecurity, whether it's outside of cybersecurity, there, there's this unique desire amongst people that they just wanna be able to communicate and be heard to be heard and then understood, to be recognized and acknowledged. Like that, that there's that element there that binds us together. So when we talk about like, you know, whether it's the individual that doesn't want to be in the limelight, I bet you there's a person that they talk to or they, they inspire just by the fact that they're behind the scenes doing work. Like everyone has a role and I, I appreciate individuals who understand their role and are willing to carry the water that is required to be successful in that role because we all have our parts, we may operate and execute differently, but as um, the subsystem of systems, like we all have a role within this overall system. And I just appreciate the individuals that take the time to say like, I get where I'm at, I'm gonna meet people with the level of grace and understanding to sort of bring them along this journey, whether it be cyber, whether it just be the soft skills, whether it just be anything, just being able to be self-aware about who you are how you communicate, how you frame your narrative, how do you bring people along your narrative, to me is a skill set that is just amazing to have. And, and I, appreciate, I appreciate it when I see it. And I'd, I'd like to get Nelson's uh, view on this as well. And, and as you're doing that, Nelson, maybe connect it, if, if you can, to 
a success story from NPower where somebody is was made aware that otherwise wouldn't have been went through the program, got an internship, got a role, and then maybe is paying it forward uh, to become a role model uh, as loud or as quiet as as one as, as they want to be, but but a role model. So maybe kind of give us a, a use case or a case study of, of some success on. That. Sure. Um, you know, and as you know, as we were kind of talking about the last the last few minutes here, the thing that was keep coming to my mind in terms of visibility of certain individuals in certain spheres is, and, and how do people react to that visibility is, there's always someone who has to be the first, right? Especially with the history of our country in terms of race and gender, there's always, you know, and, and now that we're kind of in this period of diversity and inclusion, and we see a lot more of concerted efforts by companies to be more diverse and inclusive in their hiring um, practices and their, and their work environments, uh, at the same time, it's, it's, not, it's not universal yet, right? So there's always someone, and this is a conversation I have a lot with my students. It's like, look, you might be the only person of color on your team at this company. You might be the only woman. So, um, you know, just you got to be prepared for that. And, um, you know, and, and some people are, are okay with that. Others, not so much. But as I think as Charles said, you kind of got to meet them where they're at and provide them the tools to be as successful as they can be. So, um, so with that, I think, it, you know, in terms of a success story, so I have one student in mind, um, you know, had only a high school diploma, was working retail up in Harlem. You know, I think they were working at like a footlocker or something like that. And um, always had an interest in technology. Um, you know, a lot, of our, a lot of our students, like they play video games or they, they build their own PCs. So that's, and they don't think about a lot of them, they, their concept of technology is video games or software development, or I'm going to make an app for the iPhone and I'm going to sell it for $2 million, boom, done, right? But it's, as we all know, it's much more than that. Um, so, so yeah, this person came to us through that, um, went through our tech fundamentals, got his A+, um, had his internship at Studio Museum of Harlem, so like kind of a local nonprofit uh, in his neighborhood. Um, did really well at that, then immediately came into our cybersecurity program, found a love of networking and, and understanding where data packets, how do data packets travel over the network and how do you keep that safe and how do people capture that, you know, or how do malicious actors capture that to see what data. So, you know, I think that kind of, he realized that connection between that and cyber, um, came into our cyber program. Um, you know, kind of would sit in the back of the class was kind of a quiet storm, I think at the beginning. Um, but was just by the time he finished the cyber program, he was so confident, um, knew exactly what he wanted. Um, and then now he's been working as a security analyst at, um, at uh, NBC Universal now for the last two years. Um, and just, you know, just amazing has come back to talk to our students, uh, is, you know, has kind of those real talks with our current students about like, hey, here's the, here's the great parts and the not so great parts about you know, what you're going to experience over the next six months. Um, the, the realities of the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, he's come back, he's spoken at our ribbon cutting when we opened up our new office, was uh, featured as a profile for our annual gala last year. And it's just, you know, been so gracious. And it's just, whenever we call him up and say, hey, can you come and, and speak with some students? Or would you mind talking with the marketing team for this campaign that they're working on? Is just always there at the drop of a hat to, um, to give back. and um, and provide inspiration for the next 
groups of students that we bring through the, our programs. Yeah, I mean, if it's the same person I'm, I think you're talking about, I think he uh, actually joined us for one of our. Uh, Is that uh, Ramel? Uh, not Ramel. Okay. <laughs> See, that proves there is more than one. There's oh, one. yeah, and that's just one. I mean, that was just you one just, that came to mind. Just to have think about one, but there are many. Yeah, yeah. of course. And those are yeah. usually the best, uh, the best representation because they're yeah. real. They, they bring the real story and the passion because you really mm -hmm. need passion for this. Um, how about you, Charles, or, or Chris? I mean, you guys work for an organization, not only as a nonprofit, but a big organization. Uh, for your day job and so no i, I know yeah, that you have a very spirit of role models yeah yeah a very diverse uh, group of people uh, so i mean i would say like the experiences that i've had in dev color and i think one of the things uh we do in our squads is talk about um like there's a level of intimacy there where we talk about there are futures our careers our desires our wants and our goals and uh, i was with one squad group for the last three years and and I was probably more on the senior side of the group uh, members with regards to like my own career journey with respect to theirs. And one of the things that I, I was happy to see in that arc was, you know, there were software engineer ones going to software engineers two, threes, some of them getting to mid-level. Some like you, I was able to provide my perspective, my feedback, my experiences that I learned once I moved out of here to the Bay Area seven years ago. And then part of that wisdom to them say, these, these were the mistakes I made. These were the things that I didn't know. These were my experiences, the, the truths that I could carry and tell other people and to see them be able to navigate and execute better than I did because I was able to provide in a safe space uh, feedback that they were able to take and, and model and use in their own um, uh, lives and journey, is, is, I think is very rewarding. So just due to the part of how um, the organization works, like there's things that, as we say, stay in a squad, don't come out of the squad. So, I, so I'm sort of talking about like the overall experience of the progression of individuals and the tools, techniques that they can use when it comes to how do I communicate about my career growth with my manager? Um, what is my part in the conversation and ownership of my career trajectory? And what do I want to learn? Like uh, I sort of impart, like you have to take ownership of your own career. Uh, no one's going to dictate and tell you where and how you should go. So those types of conversations where I'm imparting, like, no, this is what I did. I would write up exactly what I wanted to do. I would give it to my manager. My manager would talk to me about how we can get there or what projects would allow me to exercise those muscles. Like that's the type of feedback that we're um, sort of giving in the experiences that we're giving within our squad groups. Mm. One thing that I, I think is great about these organizations is you basically get out what you put into it. Because I've seen people that are products of these different organizations that give people a, a head start or, or a leg up on, on the other competition. And the people that are successful are really intelligent, driven people. I don't, I don't think I've seen anyone take advantage of any of these organizations and get a leg up that didn't actually put work in. Um, unfortunately, I just got a message uh, that Ashley is not going to be able to join us. Uh, she's so sorry she was on call. So uh, well, she said she will be on the next episode. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Not a problem. We 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 have a we, we we're building a queue, so that's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah, I'll be happy to have it in the next time. But um, yeah, yeah, I wanted I, mean, I wanted to add quickly that because um, cool. I think one thing that I've seen and it it, it uh, presented itself really well during uh, during RSA conferences. We were working some, with some organizations. Uh, good role models and leaders don't always take the spotlight themselves. I think where 
because we ask for we ask for support and assistance with a lot of the work that we do uh, with our content, and I see leaders and, and managers and role models put others forward to yeah. represent and have and begin to establish their voice uh, again because everybody has a voice, and so I think there's there's value in not just taking the the spotlight yourself all the time, but giving to somebody else who you think might have a different view or different idea or needs to get a voice. So they become more comfortable and become more, more involved. How do we keep these conversations going amongst these groups uh, moving forward? Um, Obviously online, uh, we'll do our part here with these conversations, but how can we, how can we keep people connected? I'm always open. I just tell people you can reach me at Twitter, LinkedIn, all the normal means. Like I'm very passionate about the human element. Um, Like ever since Chris and I met, like it's something that we're extremely passionate about. Uh, I I appreciate working with this man over here because he's just a really cool dude. And we understand like the comments you made about being able to bring in others within the story and understanding when to, you know, I wouldn't even say uh, spotlight, but just elevate. How are we elevating others to be presented on the stage to show off their skills? Um, because we all have, like I said before, a unique set of skills that are very unique to, to us as individuals is just being able for people to recognize them or provide us the platform for which to display them. And I know Chris takes that very seriously as much as I do and, and, as, and the rest of you all on this call today. So I, that, that to me is, just resonates very loudly is just that as we have these platforms, we have a responsibility to go the extra mile, to elevate, promote, um, encourage the individuals to sort of like step up and be that safe space where if they may make a mistake, which is totally fine to reinforce that this is a journey, that these are just multiple steps and that we will get there together. Awesome, that's fantastic. You know, just doing stuff like this. Uh, actually yesterday I did a webinar for InfraGuard and I, I spoke to about 550 folks, you know, just from the comfort of my own home. I, I think we, this is a, an opportunity for us to really optimize how we use technology and how we can actually cultivate, you know, legitimate relationships through social media, through, you know, things like Zoom and Google Hangouts and stuff like that. So, you know, now's the time for us to get creative and, and build it even bigger than what it is today. Yeah. And, and the reason I ask is I, I really want us, to, I mean, we're making some great strides in, in bringing people together and, and recognizing the, the human element matters. And I want to make sure we, we're all doing what we can to kind of keep that, keep that going. Right. Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. Nelson. You know, I agree. Um, and I think, you know, kind of speaking to being behind the scenes, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm a white guy. Um, and so <laughs> working in diversity that, you know, that presents its own challenges, right? And especially when I was doing recruiting, I was going out into neighborhoods that most people that look like me would not even think about going out into. Um, but it was, I was just that passionate about our mission and what we do here. Um, and so as, as I've kind of worked in this space over the last, gosh, four and a half years now, I see that more as like um, diversity means inclusion for everyone, right? Not just, we're not just talking about people of color and women or sexual orientation or gender identity or anything like that. It's supposed to be inclusive of everyone. And I've seen this, we were at a, um, at a diversity panel at Bloomberg 
last year and they that actually came up that you know they said oh uh, you know one of the one of the folks from the diversity was was talking about oh yeah we had a, a day conference that we were doing and and one of my white colleagues walked by and saw the the title of, of the event and said oh that's not for me and i was like no actually it should be for you we need more people uh we need more white folks you know in these types of conversations because it shouldn't just be you know black and brown folks solving their own problems on their own or women solving their own problems on their own. It's, it's a problem that everyone should be working on together. So I think that, you know, in terms of, for me, where I see my role at, and especially now that I've kind of moved from a front facing role to a more back, uh, back end role, um, I, 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 I take a lot more, um, I guess, pride and pleasure out of being that kind of behind the person and, and creating platforms, uh, providing people with tools to be successful um, and, and, and being a connector. And it's like, hey, I might not be able to relate to you, but let me connect you with this person that does, uh, that can relate to you. Um, and, um, you know, and just kind of uh, share, you know, share what I can and, and be authentic with them. And, um, you know, I think, um, and I've had that ask, I've had that question asked me a lot. They're like, as a white guy, like, how do you work in that space? And it was just like, I just be authentic with people, right? I be authentic and um, don't try to be, um, uh, I think, something that I'm not. And I think people respond to that regardless of uh, their background. Well, I, I have to thank you, Nelson, because you, you really throw me a very nice ball here. And, uh, and the same thing, uh, Charles and, and, and Chris, about elevating people and being an ally. And I think I'm going to kind of wrap it up here with mentioning the event that Chris, you just mentioned at the beginning, where we were part of RSA conference, pre-RSA conference of the Ally Award of the Year. It was a small event, but with a lot of really, really good name in the, in the community, very people that are out there fighting for each other. And, and that's, that's the thing, is elevating people. Uh, Nelson, you say, you know, yeah, we, we're white dudes, <laughs> you can tell that, and not, not a woman here, but we are, we try to be there every time that there is the need for it, you know, like without drama, without taking that as a marketing piece to elevate ourselves, but to help to elevate others. And I think that what we saw, again, this year during this event is the need of more of these allies. So we, we can't just fight our own fight against everybody else. We need to have our uniqueness, but we need to bring it together, I think, in the end. And, and one thing that I reflect a lot is the fact that we have a problem with diversity because we notice diversity. The, the day that we don't notice diversity and I don't care who is around because we're all ultimately all diverse and unique, thank God, that's, that's the beauty of it. That's when we can really work together as humanity and not as single individuals. So I, I, these are the conversation that we need to keep having and involving more and more people. And, and I think we'll, we're going somewhere. And I'll, I'll just quickly add that uh, I'm glad you pointed out the, uh, the Ally Awards because to, to Chris's point, and, and as we discussed with Charles and Nelson as well, bringing organizations together uh, to work together and, and have a collective voice and, and bring more people in uh, is also important. It's not just us as individuals, but it, as individuals as part of those organizations. And that's, that's why I really love these particular shows that we're on, right? Chris and Ronald joining with us or us joining with them and having these conversations, right? And all about the underrepresented. 
and then bring this representation to this. So um, yeah, I'm very grateful and, and thank you, Chris and Ronald, who's not with us today for uh, being part of this. And of course, Charles and, and Nelson uh, for joining us today for this conversation. Thank you, thank you. Thank you yeah. all. Chris, wrap it for Butch us. Yeah, take it home. Yeah, so the only thing I, I would say for everybody uh, that's listening right now, uh, everyone has a, a particular talent or skill that they've cultivated over a career or a lifetime. Think of ways to be a role model in somebody's life. It doesn't have to be on a big grand stage. It doesn't have to be on a podcast that reaches thousands of people, but just how can you be a role model today to one person? I think uh, I would ask people to take away from this. 